Welcome to this teaching from Calvary Chapel Divine, Texas. Calvary Chapel Divine is just a casual church for everyone. We meet in a common place and we just simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. One of the things that we do emphasize is the sun, salt, and light. We want you to know and grow in the sun, Jesus, but be the salt and the light in this world. If you'd like to get more information on the church, we meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. You can either come in person or watch online, but you can also submit a prayer request. Or if you have any questions about the church at all, you can just go to our website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Let's go ahead and stand as we read the Word of God. And... uh... We'll be in Mark 2, verses 18 through 22. I entitled this, Jesus Ushers in the New. Jesus Ushers in the New. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and the worst tear is made, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But the new wine is for fresh wineskins. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for, for all that you do in this church. Uh, I do play, pray for the Winstrom family as they uh, are enjoying uh, a day of rest and just spending time uh, celebrating Wayne and, and uh, the family. Just to ask, Lord, that you just continue to pray and be with them. Uh, we thank you so much for those that are here and those that are watching online. Uh, we pray, Father God, as we come before you, you know, as we... Um, you are the great I am and, and the mountains shake and, and, and we need to come into your presence. We need to be at your feet. We need to be ready to hear from you. And Lord, we look for application. We look as, as we look at the old and the new. Um, and, and um, you know, Lord, allow us to remove uh, any of that legalistic side of us that may have, may have creeped in, you know, where we're, we're pushing the law on people instead of the law of grace and and so we um we thank you father god just for all that you're doing we thank you for sending your son jesus christ and we thank you for the fathers and we just lift them up lord we pray that you just continue to bless them uh throughout this day throughout this year help them be the dads that you've called them to be um help them to be watchful to stand firm to be strong uh to act like men and um and let everything they do be done in love and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. So I entitled this, Jesus Ushers in the New. Uh, we'll look at it in three parts. People question in verse 18. and verses 19 and 20, putting off fasting temporarily. Putting off fasting temporarily. And then finally in verses 21 and 22, patches and wineskins. Patches and wineskins. So if you ever need... To, to have the title or the bulletin, it's on the very front of the website, okay? It's right at the very bottom. You just click church bulletin, you have it. So if you ever need information on the church, my phone number, any of that stuff, you need to get a hold of me or Teresa, you can do it all through, through the website at calvarydivine.org. 
All right, so last week what we saw is we saw Jesus was reclining with sinners, and we saw Levi, the tax collector, was saved. And, and yet the Pharisees were questioning the, the disciples. And today we're going to see uh, the people questioning Jesus now. So in Mark chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And the scribes and Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And they also questioned earlier with the paralytic in Mark chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, when he says, now, when, now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So what we see is there's going to be a reaction that happens when you meet Jesus. And this is a reaction that still happens today. And it happens with the, 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 the Pharisees and the Sadducees, with the religious leaders. Either one or two things are going to happen when you decide to follow Christ. Or not, to de not uh, decide not to follow Christ. You're either going to have your heart softened or your heart's going to harden even more towards Christ. And what we're going to see today is, as we've seen uh, through the paralytic when they were questioning in their hearts, through the times when they're eating with the tax collectors, you see just this hardening happening. And it's going to continue to happen through the book of Mark. And it happens with us as well when we, we have to remember Jesus came to, to save the sick, to save the sinner, right? And, and, and so... When we look at this, we need to remember, is your heart going to soften or harden when you're in God's Word? Is it going to harden or soften when, you're, when you're, you're living out for the Lord, your walk? Because some people get upset. They, they start blaming God for things that are going on in their life, and their hearts harden. And, and so we need to be very careful. Like, when we look at this, we need to not question... Here comes my train. We need to not question... Christ, right? So the first, first point we see is people questioning Jesus in verse 18. I'm going to let that horn go through because it's going to be loud. There we go. I was telling them Wednesday night, what worries me is if that train comes off the track, I'll be able to go, but everybody else, everybody else is going to go. <laughs> I don't know how quickly we can move at that point. Uh, but the first point we have is people questioning Jesus in verse 18. Uh, now the disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and the people came and said to him, Why does John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? One of the things I love is this is actually John the Baptist's disciples. So John the Baptist's disciples are actually there, and they're, they're, they're there when Jesus is reclining with the tax collector and the sinners, and they ask the question, because we know, remember we told you about the synoptic gospels, it's just a fancy word for different camera angles. So synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all written by different authors, but just different camera angles, right? In Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, it says, then his disciples of John came to him. So we see it wasn't the people questioning, but it was John's disciples, saying, why do the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And so they're having a problem with not just the way that the, the company he's keeping, but now they're having a problem with him eating. Because they're like, we're fasting. Why aren't you fasting? Why aren't your disciples fasting? Right? 
And so when we, we talked about this on, on Wednesday night because we had to deal with fasting in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 9. And so fasting is actually just, you know, a way for us to seek God. It's, a, it's actually a gift from God, and it, it allows us, and it should be a humbling. And, and fasting can be actually more than food. You can, you can fast from the social networks. You can fast from TV. You know, but when you fast, you shouldn't be telling everybody you're fasting. It's between you and God. And so biblical fasting, there's a couple of reasons why we biblically fast, and that's one is to obey God. I'm not going to go through all of this because of time, but if you want to listen to all this, you go to Wednesday night sermon. It's on there for Nehemiah chapter 9. The first thing we do is we, we fast because we're obeying God, and that's in Isaiah 58 verse 6. Next, we, we were denying the flesh, and that's in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. The other, other reason why we fast is it strengthens us spiritually. And, and we know that because Moses, Elijah, and Jesus all fasted. And we see that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, when Jesus uh, was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. We also fast to honor God. And we also fast to be led by God in Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. So fasting, the main thing that we need to get from this is fasting is not a way to redirect the hand of God, but rather it's the discipline that helps us to see the heart of God. You're not redirecting God's hand, but what you're asking for is to be able to see the heart of God, to be led by God. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now when... On the 24th month, day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and, in, and with earth on their heads. And so it's a humbling. In James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. And so remember, it's, it's when you fast, it's between you and God. But see, what would happen with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they wanted everybody to know that they were fasting, right? You realize there was only one day that you were supposed to fast. The religious leaders only had one day that they were supposed to fast. It's in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27. It says, now on the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. That was the day they were supposed to fast. On the day of atonement, it shall be... You, a time of holy convocation, and you shall afflict yourself. When you look at the Strong's Concordance of the Blue Letter Bible, that means fast. Okay? Afflict yourself and present a food offering to the Lord. So they would do that on the Day of Atonement. And that was the only time the religious leaders were supposed to fast. But they added more to it. They created more things for the people of God to do. They added more burdens. There was no way they could keep the law. And, and the religious leaders had four main pillars that they would focus on. It would be uh, worship and prayer and giving to the poor. And so when they're worshiped, when they looked at things, they, they, they looked at prayer, they looked at giving to the poor, fasting, and the Sabbath. Those four things, prayer, giving to the poor, fasting, and the Sabbath. And we'll actually deal with the Sabbath next week. That's, that's our scriptures for next week. But what they did is they created a heavy burden for the people that they couldn't keep. 
And so they were self-righteous. I pray a certain way, right? You ever seen anybody do that? I've seen people do that before. They'll come into the, the, the sanctuary and, and just absolutely get, I've seen them where they actually just go down on their knees in front of everybody and put their head in the seat and pray. But then when you find out what they're doing in their life, you're like, what are you doing? You know, are you doing that for show or what are you doing? Because people do this today. They, 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 they not only pray a certain way, they, they practice the Sabbath a certain way. They fasted a certain way. And the, what, what they were doing is they were saying, we're holy and you're not. You can't, you can't do what we're doing. You can't keep the laws the way we are. And Jesus deals with this in, in Matthew chapter 6. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be there for a little bit. Because we're going to look at three of these. Giving, right? Remember, we talked about the four main pillars. We're praying, giving, fasting, and the Sabbath. We're going to deal with three of them. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. What they would do is they would have these big amounts that they would give, and it would make this noise when they would give it into the tide, like a, like a bell going off. And when people only had a little bit, it didn't make that sound. But they wanted that sound to be made. They wanted everybody to see that, hey, look at me. I'm giving. Next we see in verse 5 in Matthew chapter 6, praying. It says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that you have received their, you have received their reward. But when you pray, go into the room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for, you, uh, for your fathers knows what the need is before they ask him. And Jesus even said in Luke chapter 18, verses 11 and through 13, this is actually Jesus' words. In Luke 18, uh, verse 11, it says, The Pharisees standing beside him prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast two weeks. See, that's when they added the extra fast. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Who do you think God's listening to? The one who's sitting there telling him how holy he is? I'm not like the extortioners. I'm not like the adulterers. I'm not like those tax collectors. And we're doing the same thing. We do the same thing. And we have to be careful with that. And then finally, we see fasting in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16. It says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy, 
like the hypocrites, for they, they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. They would actually whiten the face to make them look more sickly. They'd put makeup on. They would actually put ashes over their head and wear clothes that looked torn just so they could look the part. And I think about this today. We have people that will wear shirts that, that are Christian shirts and they won't even share the gospel. Or armbands. I mean, they, they don't live it out. But they want you to think they're holy. But they're just hypocrites. And God says, look, this, the, the reward you get is here on earth. It's not going to be in heaven. You, you've got your reward. You've got your recognition. It, because what it happens is it just becomes a religious ritual. In Isaiah 58, verses 3 and 4, it says, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasures and oppress all your workers. Behold... You fast only to quarrel and fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard from God. They were, they were actually just heaping up empty rituals. And we have to be very careful with that. One of the things that we should be focused on is laying our treasure up in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay up your treasure on earth, but where moth and rust and uh, rust destroying where thieves break in and, in and steal but lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust and, and where thieves do not break in and steal for there your treasure is there your heart will be also and see we see that fasting is not this legalistic self-righteous thing it's something that you do between you and God it's a gift actually from God it's, a, it's an opportunity for you to seek God in the time of trouble to seek God in a time of leading and we see our next point after they question him about the fasting right the people question now we see the second point which is putting off fasting temporarily so Jesus is going to say we're not fasting right now and he's going to give the reason why and Jesus said to them can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them as long as they have the bridegroom with them they cannot fast the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in the day, in that day. As Jesus does like he always does, he answers the question with a question. I love that. Poses a question right back to him. And, and one of the things I love is the marriage relationship is one of the ways that God used the relationship between God and the children of Israel in the Old Testament. That's how he viewed it. And that's in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5. It says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of his, uh, the Lord host is his, his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth, he is called. So we need to understand that when we, um, when Jesus is saying this, John's disciples would have gotten this. And why would they have gotten this? Because John actually tells them this in John chapter 3. John, John the Baptist actually told his disciples, you know, Jesus is the bridegroom. 
In John chapter 3, verse 26, it says, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, he is baptized and all and are, all are going to him. And John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given uh, him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness, uh, bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. So see, John's disciples would have already would have clicked with him at this point. The friend of the bridegroom who stands, he, stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his joy of mine is complete. He must decrease... Uh, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so the bridegroom would have been a significant point for the Jewish people because they understood the marriage covenant that was with them as a, that was an illustration of the, the nation of Israel and God. And, and when we think of a wedding, we think of it being a joyful celebration. But let me tell you, I've never seen a wedding start on time. Never been a part of one that started on time. Ever. They never do. And usually by the time you get to the reception, you're starving. Right? You're starving. And then what are you going to do? Somebody's going to come up to you as they put your food in front of you and they're going to go, you should be fasting. We're here to celebrate. We're here to celebrate the wedding. Right? The bridegroom is with us. And, and, and what's crazy is, you know, it would be when they would have a Jewish wedding, it was a week-long celebration of dancing and, 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 and food. They did it for a week. I know most of the men in here, when we've been at weddings, we're, we're good. We don't need another one because they, they're, they're crazy. They last a long, I mean, they're, they're just crazy. It's a lot, of, a lot of mess you're trying to, to do. I can't imagine doing it for seven days. But think about that. Somebody telling you at the reception, hey, you got to fast. That's what they were telling them. You got to fast. And that's why Jesus was saying, you know, hey, the days in, in, verse, in Mark chapter 2, verse 20, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then, then they will fast in that day. So Jesus is saying, hey, as long as I'm here with them, they, they, need to, they need to be here with me. They need to be in my presence. They need to be learning from me. They need to be enjoying being in my presence because there will come a time when I'm not going to be here. There will come a time when they are going to grieve and they will fast. See, what Jesus is trying to get them to understand is like, even for us, it's like you have the opportunity to be in his presence every day. But some of y'all are fasting from Christ. Fasting from his word. Fasting from prayer. That's not what you're supposed to fast from. You know, it's, it's like we have the opportunity. If you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You need to enjoy having that presence with him, too. Because, see, what we're seeing is a transition of two things. We're seeing the old way and the new way. That's what these verses are, are actually showing us. That was the old way. That was the law. Jesus is saying, look, I'm the new way. I'm grace. Thank God we live in the age of grace. Right? 
Uh, we couldn't keep the law. We couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep it. See, that's why when we look at patches and wineskins in, in verses 21 and 22, when we look at patches and wineskin, what we're looking at is the old way and the new way. And what you see in those verses, you're going to see the word old and new a number of times. And most of us, when we read those verses, we're not thinking, oh, I know what a wineskin. I've never seen a wineskin. I've seen one. It was filled with muscadine wine that my, up in, we got family up in, in South Carolina in the hills, and they would make muscadine wine, and they had a, a, a wineskin. But what its significance is, is like what Jesus is saying is, I'm, I'm with you right now, and, and you need to be in my presence. And then he's going to go in to explain why in, in, in verse 21 as we look at patches and wineskin. It says, And no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on, a, on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts a new wine into an old wineskin. If he does, the wineskins, or the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed. So are the skins, but the new wine is for fresh wineskins. So again, what we're seeing is he's talking about the old patch and the new patch and the new wineskin and the old wineskin. What he's talking about is the old way and the new way. The old way was the law. The new way is grace. The old way was bad news. You couldn't keep the law. The new way is good news. Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The old way would bring mourning because you could never do it or keep it. The new way brings rejoicing. The old way, and this goes back to the fasting, is they were trying to do it in their own strength. And you can't. That's why we have grace. We have God's divine grace. And you have enough grace for the whole journey. The old way, they were proud religious men before God, right? They were proudly religion before the men. And the new way is we humble ourselves before God. The old way was a dead ritual. The new way is a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. And then lastly, the old way is a legalistic system. And the new way provided salvation by grace. See, in their day, they, they would have gotten this. In our day, we don't get this, right? Because none of us probably have seen wineskins, right? None of us is. I mean, how many of y'all, most of you buy your clothes with holes in them now, right? You know, you know that's, like most of the kids, their clothes come with holes in them now. That's how they buy them. But so, so when, when, the way I could remember this is, is the best way when I looked at the scripture as I remember when you had a sale, if you try to sew in a new patch to fix the sale, let's say you had a rip and you try to sew a new patch in, what happens is it, 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 it'll get wet and then the sun hits it. And it'll get wet again and the sun hits it. And as it does it, it stretches just like when you put clothes in the dryer. If it's on hot, you wash them in hot clothes, they're going to shrink up. And that patch is going to do what? It's just going to tear it. And actually in, in the sale, it'll actually make the hole bigger. You have to use a worn piece to actually sew it into it. And so that's kind of what he's doing. What he's saying is Jesus is introducing a new thing. He's not coming to patch up something in your life. But that's what most people think of when they think of this. is like, I want Jesus 
But I only want them to patch up these few things. I'm not giving them. Remember what we said about Levi? Levi did what? He left everything. He left everything. And that's what Jesus is saying is this is a new thing. You need to leave everything. It's not something that we're just going to partially patch up. That's not what we're here to do. And, and, and we try to fix things in our own strength all the time. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Then, uh, then when the eyes, were, uh, the eyes of both were open, Adam and Eve, and they knew that they were naked because they sinned, and they did what? They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. That's how we try to fix things. But what does God do? God says, wait, my son's coming. And now Jesus is here, right? But he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, And the Lord God made Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. See, mankind's nakedness and sin would never be enough to cover up their effort. It was the Lamb of God that was going to cover and clothe them with, with righteousness. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why he says in verse 22, And no one puts in... Uh, new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But the new wine is for fresh wineskins. So wineskins were actually made out of animal skin, and they would be tied off on both ends. Okay? And then what they would do back in this time is they would actually pour grape juice in there, right? And then what the grape juice would do, it would go through what they call a fermentation process. I, I know we sound like we're on a, an episode of Moonshiners. Uh, I apologize. We're not, okay? <laughs> I'm not teaching y'all how to do this, all right? But what they would do is they would pour it in, and then they would sew both sides off, and, and, and the ends would get soft, and then the grape juice would actually ferment. And as the gas is released, it expands and expands, and then the skin hardens. And then you have wine. And, and what would happen if you try to add new wine in, the, in that process as it's already expanded a few times, what would happen, it, was, it would cause it to expand so much that it would just burst. It would, it would pop like a balloon, like you're filling up a, sorry, like you're filling up a water balloon and it just, it can't handle anymore. And it just pops. And so Judaism is the old garment, Right? And the old wineskin, but Christianity is the new garment and the new wineskin. And the new wine. Right? And the new wine. That's that's why we have communion. Right? So no matter how holy you think you are, you need Jesus. He's the only way that you, you get to heaven. I love Romans chapter three, verses nineteen and twenty, because we're talking about the law here and, and we're talking about the new way. Jesus is trying to explain this to him. In Romans chapter 3, verse 19, it says, now, uh, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped. The whole world may be held accountable to God. Okay? You need to highlight that in your Bible. The whole world will be accountable to God. Everybody. Everybody. And it goes on to say, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. You can't earn your way to heaven. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. 
One thing we have to remember is that a Christian life is not mixing the old and the new. You, you leave that behind. It's, it's, this is one of the problems that we see is people will try to go back to the old wineskin. And you need to stay with the new. You need, matter of fact, you need to get rid of the old one. In Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 24, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested through, uh, apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through the faith in Jesus Christ for all who believed, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. Jesus is the illustration. The only righteousness is, is because of what Jesus did on the cross. We're justified because you repent and you believe in, in, and ask Christ into your heart. And believe that, that Christ died and was resurrected. We're justified because when, when God sees us, He sees Christ. We're clothed in the blood of righteousness because we've been forgiven. We've asked God to come into our heart and ask for forgiveness of our sin, and our debt is paid full. That's why justification is just as if you didn't sin. And Jesus is saying, look, the law it, it should point to me because you need me. I'm the new way. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. So Jesus says, I come to fulfill them. In Romans chapter 3, verse 31, uh, Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On contrary, we uphold the law. That's what Paul is saying. Do we nullify the law through faith? No. We understand that grace, you find that uh, you do the, the right thing, not because you're driven to, but because you're grateful. You stop sinning because you understand the cost of sin. Because your relationship with Jesus Christ, you understand that it's God's grace that you're forgiven. It's God's unmerited supply of goodness. But it's not a license to sin. It's not a license to go back to the old. We can only do this through the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. I love Romans 8 because it kind of just breaks all this down for you. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, and in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according uh, to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to walk with God. It's the Holy Spirit that actually filled the disciples, and the power came upon them. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So we stand right with God, and because Jesus is power of the resurrection, that same power is given to us as we give our life to Christ. And so Jesus is not here to patch up something or, or let you go back to the old. Jesus is saying, look, you need to surrender all. You need to surrender all. He's the beginning and the end. He knows what is going to happen in your day. Why wouldn't you go to Him? 
You're a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. We walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian needs to be connected to that power. Right? But if you're fasting from the Holy Spirit, just like you may be fasting from the Word or fasting from praying, those are the wrong things you need to be fasting from. Ephesians chapter 5, verses uh, 15 through 18 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as, uh, as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of, of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what will the, the uh, will of the Lord is, and do not uh, get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. See, what happens is we can, I, I love what A.W. Tozer says, we, we can remove the Holy Spirit from the church today, and 95% of the work will be done without the Holy Spirit. Because people are doing it within their own capability. They're not dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. But he says if you, if you took the, Old or the New Testament church in the book of Acts, the early church, and you 95% of what they would do, if the Holy Spirit would have withdrawn, it would have stopped. You know, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. You would know that the power of the Holy Spirit was not there. Because they were so dependent on it. But see what's happened is we've allowed ourselves to become lukewarm. Lukewarm is very easy. It's like me taking a, 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 a thing of water off the stove and leaving it out. And guess what the world does? It makes it lukewarm. Because you spend too much time in the world. We've gotten too focused on on having pastors that are being led by their own power and becoming celebrity, uh, being more focused on being celebrity pastors and worship teams and uh, with all the lights and all the stuff, and they're not coming into the presence of God. We, we, we can have ministries upon ministries, and yet they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. There's no power. If we're not careful, we're going to become that lukewarm church in Revelation chapter 3. Verses 15 through 22. They thought they were good. They thought they had everything on point. And then what, what, is it, what are they told? In, in verse 15, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you either cold or hot. So that because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. See, they self-diagnose themselves. They thought they were holier than thou. Right? For you say I am rich. I have prospered. We have all these people attending our church. But there's no power of the Holy Spirit. They're, they've gotten away from the Word of God. They've gotten away from the things that God's called us to do. And I need nothing. Not realizing that they are wretched. That's where that show comes from. That they are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may be clothed yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. 
and salve not to anoint your eyes so that they may see those whom I love. I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door. See, this goes different. Because what do we tell everybody? God stands at the door and knocks. If you read the scripture in context, that, that's not what he's saying. He's trying to wake up the Christian. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with him. He's trying to wake the church up. That's what he's trying to do. And, and honestly, I think we have to be very careful because we have to be, we can be focused on things that are not from God. Right? We can be focused on things that are not from God that are pulling us away from the calling that God has on our life. And, and you're spending too much time in the world and you become lukewarm. So, application. And we'll close out here. First one. Have you become religious and legalistic in your faith? Have you become like the religious leaders of the time of Jesus? Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 says, But understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Do we live in that time right now? Yes. But it says in verse 5, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such period, uh, uh, people. We have people that actually have the appearance of godliness. Remember the, the religious leaders painted their face and made themselves look like they were hurting when they were fasting to bring attention to themselves. But we got to get back to our relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the things I pray is that you stop fasting from the word, stop fasting from prayer, stop fasting from worship, stop fasting from confession. Those are the key to revival. Worship Confession, the Word of God, and prayer. we got to get back to the basics. Don't be a bad wedding guest. Right? Some of you are acting like th these religious leaders, these bad wedding... They're having a celebration. People are coming to know faith, and you're being the bad wedding guest. Second application. Have your wineskins dried out. What are you filling them with? And I'll explain this. You know, actually when a wineskin is, is, is empty, they're not completely ruined. You know what they, they, they refresh them with and, and they're able to reuse them with? Water. Water. What is water in the, in, in the Bible? It's the Word of God. You need to be refreshed. You need to, to have your wineskin refreshed and and, and made new, get back to the Word of God. Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, 
and on his, on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in the season, and its leaves does, does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. You need to renew your mind. You can read this later, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You all know the, the verse very well. You need to be, uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And you do that by being in God's word and being led by the Spirit. Number three application. Are you trying to mix Jesus and your old way of living? Are you trying to mix Jesus with the old way of living? Are you going back to the old? You've been saved. You need to leave it behind. I love Levi. Levi left everything. Y'all need to remember that Jesus is not a vaccine. He is the cure. And I, I say that because I'm trying to wake y'all up to the fact the only person that can cure your sin is Jesus. That's it. He's not a shot that you get once a year. Because that's what the flu shot is. You got to get it every year. With Jesus, your debt's paid. You repent, your sins are forgiven. But you got to stop going back to the old way. He's secure. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14, it says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, this is what we need to be doing. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing in Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power and according to the glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There's your cure, Jesus Christ. I would love to teach that verse. I'm going <laughs> to... Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. I need to remember that one because I, like, I would like to dive deep into that one. That's a good one. So, don't mix the old with the new. Just remember, at the end of the day, you can't earn your way to heaven. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know why, but this would probably be another application I'd give you. Are you fasting from God? Because that's not what it's supposed to be. I think some, some people will fast from the word. They'll, they'll, what I mean by that is you'll just go without it. You'll, you'll, you'll go without prayer. You'll go without fellowship. And it's almost like you're fasting in the wrong way. Fasting actually is a gift from God that brings us closer to God. Okay? Now that wasn't in my application. That's a bonus. That's something the Holy Spirit must have gave me. So praise God for that. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer, and um, y'all have a blessed week. We will be here Wednesday. Sarah will be here to do worship, and um, what do we got? Wednesday will be in Nehemiah. We'll finish part two of Nehemiah chapter nine. We'll finish up. We're going to go into the history of Israel's sin. <laughs> but you know what? They, what I love is they confess their sin. And, and they're forgiven. And that's something for us to remember too. So regardless of where you're at, let's say you came here today and you're, you're in a place where you go, you know what, I've kind of been fasting from being in God's word. 
I've kind of been fasting from praying. I've kind of been fasting from, from worshiping God or fellowship, whatever it is, or confession. You know, we can get back to it. Uh, you know, I love what Skip says, and I'm going to keep saying this probably every week. You can be 10 steps from the Lord. You can be 10,000 steps from the Lord. Or you can be 10 million steps. But the moment you repent, you're right, you're right with God. You're right with Christ. He forgives you. And so revival, remember, revival begins with us. And God is trying to do a new thing in your life, not bring you back to the old. So stop trying to patch up little pieces of your life and let God just do a complete renovation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, this opportunity to be in your word. We do, just again, lift up our fathers to you. We thank you for their hearts. We pray you strengthen them, you encourage them, you help them get through the remainder of this year and be with them as they head into 2022. I can't imagine how hard it is to be a dad in this world that we're in today. But I pray that you help them and give them uh, the, the, the guidance through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to lead their children and bring them up in a godly way. We also pray for the city of Divine. We pray for the city council, for the mayor. Uh, we pray for the chamber of commerce. We pray for our, our new city manager and our school board. We pray, Lord, bring them together. Unite them in love. Bring peace. Uh, bring peacemakers. And Father God, we just ask, Lord, that you just continue to bless Marcus and this building. And thank you for allowing us to be here. I pray for each person here, Lord. I ask that you just continue to be with us throughout the day. Allow us to remember your word, those three points that we, uh, as we question Jesus, let us be in the presence of Jesus. You know, as, as we look at, at, at temporarily fasting, we don't, I mean, at the end of the day, we shouldn't be fasting from the things of God. I mean, we, should be, we shouldn't be putting off the things of God. Uh, and, and at the same time, we, you know, we look uh, to those patches and wineskin. Lord, let us look to the new and, and not to the old. Let us leave the old life behind. And uh, we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Remember, y'all can get everything you need at calvarydivine.org. Prayer request, all that wonderful stuff. God bless y'all. Y'all have a good one. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.